Okay, we're going to start putting 2022 in the rearview mirror. We're going to start putting it behind us. And before we do that, I want to go over and just highlight some of the things we are right about and wrong about about the 2022 season. So that's what we're going to talk about today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Tuesday, November 15th, 2022. Thank you for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Check us out on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, okay. So today on the show, we are going to finally, I've been talking about it for a few weeks, not really ever since the season ended. We've been talking about doing a show where we kind of highlight the things that uh, I was right about and things that I was wrong about. And uh, it's not for, I I don't just want to make it come across as like, oh, we're just going to keep score. Because like, I I don't fear being wrong about baseball or the Tigers. That's a lot of insecurities. Baseball and the Tigers are not one of those things, not two of those things. Um, I, I, I know that I know that I, I know the Tigers, and so I, I don't fear being wrong about that stuff. And so I, I, I think it's important to kind of highlight it in that regard. But I think more importantly, I just want to talk about it from a baseball perspective and really discuss why things went wrong. And you can't really have that conversation unless you highlight the things that did go wrong specifically. Like there's several things that we talked about going into the season and had the opinion of like this is going to be a strength of the team and then it wasn't or like this player is going to do really well and then they didn't and uh, I think you can only really have the deep conversations about why they went wrong unless you bring them up yeah unless you actually talk about them and this is the way that I've chosen to do that so uh, let's 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 talk about some stuff so I think for starters uh, also, I'm going to say we a lot when it comes to like takes because I always address like the show as a we thing and not an I thing because I want it to be I want it to be a we thing. I want it to be you and us, but you and I rather. Uh, but I know that at the end of the day, they're my takes. So you can blame me for all the wrong takes that are on this show. And then we can all take credit as a group for all the right takes. How about that? OK, sounds good to me. Um, so I think for starters, I want to start with the first one that comes to mind for me was the very beginning of the season when all the Locked On hosts made videos. And some of you might remember this. Uh, and I remember trying to explain it to people at the time. And even my explanation was wrong. So like all of it's wrong. But Uh, We were asked to make videos on like quick one to two minutes. Is your team a contender or a pretender? Now, I don't need to tell you that the Detroit Tigers were not contenders in the year 2022. I don't need to tell you that. Um, What I do need to tell you is that I, I never was of the belief that they were actually like a playoff team. 
I, I think that the optimist in me and like the super fan in me was like, oh, but like maybe dog, like maybe like don't don't hold out hope. And so I never closed the door on it, obviously, because like who who does that? Uh, I mean, in August, I probably hadn't closed the door on it yet, to be honest, just because I'm I'm delusional sometimes. But uh, I do think that it is. It was one of those things where I thought that they would be not like the best team to miss the playoffs, but at least playing meaningful baseball in the second half of the season. That was like my bar. Over 500 and playing competitive-ish baseball, relatively speaking, to the last five years, meaningful, quote-unquote, baseball in the second half of the season. That was my expectation. That was my bar. And it was going to vary a little bit, either above that or below that, because very seldom are, are, are people spot on about uh, about a, a team or a player like to a T right before an 162-game season. So I knew it was going to vary a little bit, but that was kind of my starting point. And, oh, my goodness. I, I mean, we don't – again, we, we know what happened. And we know that this season was certainly not a contending season. Uh, the offense was absolutely putrid. We've gone over that a million times. We don't need to talk about what made this season poor. But when when starting this conversation, I think that is the place to start because it segues into like everything else. So... I just want everyone to remember going into this season how much excitement there was, right? Like, do y'all remember? Do you remember how pumped everybody was for Tigers baseball? And like Illich did the the rebuild is over quote, and Avila went and got Austin Meadows after Riley Green got hurt, and that was like a message to the fan base, like, hey, we're not playing around. Like, this team's gonna be good. People were pumped. I was pumped. Most of y'all were pumped. Like, we were all really excited about this team this year. And, I mean, a 77-win team last season that added, like, five or six impact players in the offseason. If you include, like, prospects getting called up too, right? So, I I mean, uh, uh, legitimately... A, a lot of energy in the air and opening day was, I was at opening day. What an electric atmosphere. And I, I just, I think it's important to start there because everything that comes after that is disappointment. <laughs> and I know that's like harsh, but like everything that came after opening day was a letdown. So when talking about the things we were wrong about and the things that we were even right about, it's, it's important to know that at the beginning, there was a lot of hope, a lot of hope. And that just went down the drain so quickly. I mean, it, with by, I don't know, by Erod's like second start, because he wasn't that great on opening day either, but it was very cold and there was not a lot of offense. I, I mean, by like the second time through the rotation, because like Mize got hurt pretty quickly after that too. It was like, okay, this might not go to plan. And then we found ourselves in May, 9-22 and 22 for the second year in a row, and it was just like, okay, this we're going to be uncompetitive before the 4th of July again. And sure enough, they were. So I think it's important to start with that one because that, again, that sets up and just remembering 
I mean, the lockout, right? I didn't even think that was another thing I was wrong about. I didn't even think we were going to play 162, to be honest with you. I, I, I If you would have asked me, I, I would have said like 140, I think is what I was telling like most of, you know, friends and family that were asking me about it. I was like, oh, I expect like 140 to 150. They, you know, give them credit where credit's due. They, they squeeze 162 games into this summer. But um, so that that's where I want to start. After that, we can really go to down any avenue we want to go down. I think I want to talk about, I guess, the outfield. There was a clip of me that made the rounds after Meadows got traded, after the Meadows trade. Uh, Riley Green gets hurt. Tigers trade Isak Predis for Austin Meadows. Everybody's pretty pumped about it. And for the record, currently on November 14th, 2022, and maybe two years from now, we do a look back at what stupid things did Scott say on November 14th, 2022, and or 15th rather, as you're listening to this, 2022, and talk about what he was right or wrong about on that specific day for some reason. And this might be stupid. But, like, I still would do that trade. Um, I, I still don't think that Issa, I know, like, he, he had the – he had homers that this team didn't hit homers and, and whatnot, and I understand. But I, I still think that that trade is something that, especially at the time you do 10 times out of 10, and now I would, I would still do now. Um, and I, I don't expect Austin Meadows to just never play for the Detroit Tigers. And I, Isak, I wish him nothing but the best. Like that's, that's the dog, but like, I don't know. I don't, I don't really envision him as like a hard set foundational piece of the future of the Detroit Tigers when he was here either. So, um, We'll, we'll we'll start with that, but there was a clip of me that went around saying that this outfield had the I wanted to say that this outfield had the potential to eventually be one of the better outfields in the American League, I think I said. I think. I might have said baseball if I was being super dramatic that day, but I'm pretty sure I said American League. Either way, one of the better outfields in the game. And my point was that down the road in two or three years from now, that this outfield could be a force to be reckoned with, with Meadows having multiple years of control, Riley Green, obviously this was only his rookie year. We have him for at least the next six years. And then Akil Badu, off of his last season, heading into this season, there was a lot of decently high expectations. Um, and I think a lot of people took that as, oh, he thinks that in the year 2022, this is going to be one of the best outfields in baseball. That's certainly not what I meant. Uh and that certainly could not have been further from the truth this year, but they didn't play <laughs> like Riley green missed half the season. Austin Meadows missed uh, uh, almost all of the season. And Akil Badu got demoted because he struggled so much and barely played in the majors during the middle of the year as well. So like, yeah, certainly was, was far from right about it. Um, but I I'm still Akil Badu maybe played himself out of like being penciled in as like a true future piece of this team, which is certainly a conversation, a subjective thing for you to have your own opinion on. But uh, I do think that Meadows and Green can still be two thirds of one of the better outfields in the American League. I still wholeheartedly believe that and think that that potential is still there. I'm f never going to say that it's going to happen ever again. <laughs> 
because I, I know what happened last time I did that, which is why we're talking about that right now. But I still think the ceiling is absolutely there for, for those two to be pillars of a really good outfield. All right. Okay, let's uh, let's just keep the ball rolling. But first, I got to tell y'all about our friends over at Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis this season. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer, esports. We've got it covered at Bet Online. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those on Bet Online as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. So to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more, but online where the game starts. All right, let's talk Turkey. <laughs> Welcome back. I don't know why I did that. Uh, we're back. Segment two, Locked on Tigers. So uh, we're just going over. I, I just, again, I think this is an important conversation for for baseball related and not baseball related, just to, to go over what went right and wrong. And I truly, I'm, I'm not trying to do like a keeping score thing. I think I actually have more things I was wrong about than right about uh, for this episode. So not, not trying to make it sound like that whatsoever. Cause it's truly not. Um, I think after that, I want to go, I guess we're doing like kind of like same time period. Michael Pineda's one we can get covered really quickly. Uh, Michael Pineda was a late signing post lockout and was somebody that I even before we signed him I said I wanted him and to be fair the pool of pitchers remaining after the lockout was not an incredible pool to pick from if you eliminate like the top top guys that the Tigers were never going to spend money on so it wasn't like they had a ton of options, but I wanted Pineda. And the reason why is because, and I said this a lot when in games that he pitched, he was not a guy that I felt like was going to beat himself in the sense that he was never going to walk like six players in an inning and like hit two batters and put a lot of dudes on. Like you, you had to earn your outings against Pineda in the sense that you had to hit what was given to you. Now, Unfortunately, what was given to most of the hitters were not great execution of pitches. And there was a lot of he, – he just – he couldn't paint corners anymore. The velocity's down. He's getting older. No disrespect. Hope that he, he finds work if he wants to continue pitching. Uh, but it, it, it certainly won't be here. And uh, I it, it was not great. And for, again, being somebody that really went to bat for the signing and really uh, understood the logic, I thought, and and really, again, before we even signed him, was a fan of that move happening. Uh, that certainly, and like the injury happened, and, and that's when it really derailed, and that's no fault of anybody's. But the biggest thing was we needed innings. Right, like we can talk about what were they effective innings, were they non effective innings, whatever. We desperately this season needed innings out of the starting rotation and did not get those from Michael Pineda like we signed up for. That's really all we want. It was a fifth rotation spot, like all we wanted was just like decent enough passable innings. Like if he had an ERA in the, the mid fours, 
and pitched every fifth day, that would have been a successful signing in my eyes. I wasn't asking for the world. <laughs> I was asking for like zero win, like replacement level pitching, but you actually go out and pitch and, and that just didn't end up happening. So unfortunately that one didn't work out either. Um, dating back to last season, Alex Lang is one that we really honed in on early in his career uh, on this show and have definitely been more right than wrong about. I think that Alex Lang, again, end of last season, we were kind of like, this dude is nice. Like, this dude is is really nice. He's got a lot of movement on his pitches. This is kind of an exciting pitcher. And at the beginning of this season, I think very, very early on in the season, it was like, ah, I don't I don't really know. It's not really looking the same. And then by like the end of April, I was like, all right, this dude is is legit. He, I mean, ended the season with one of the highest whiff rates out of the bullpen in the game of baseball. His curveball was one of the most whiffed on pitches in the entire sport. And for a large majority of the season was the most whiffed on pitch in the entire sport. Uh, I mean, he is, he's unbelievable and he certainly has some command stuff. He's got to work out it. I'm not saying that this was like a perfect season or anything. Uh, and he re- really struggled there. At, what was it? July, like post all-star break July. And then into August, he struggled. And then he kind of got back on the horse and was solid again at the end of the season. So there, there's certainly some work still to be done, and he's got some command stuff and some mechanical stuff that he needs to iron out and, and really get on a more consistent basis. But that is definitely one that, it, looking back, just really early on, we're able to see and and, and kind of hone in on as, like, this dude is is really good. And that ended up being the case this season. So that was that was a good one. That only took whatever, like 17, 18, 19 minutes into the show. We finally got to uh, a decent one. I, again, I really – I don't want to put a ton of things I was right about in here because I don't want it to be a, a scores-keeping thing. But um, and, and honestly, most of the good stuff that happened was out of the pen or just like pitching in general because who was right about anything offensively? Even if you came on your platform and you were like, this is – this player is going to really struggle this season. I don't think anyone anticipated it to be this deep. Like the the depths that this offense reached were unprecedented. Like just a, a historically, we talked about it all the time, a historically bad offense, right? Who let's do Eric Haas. Eric Haas was somebody I was wrong about, and I'm so glad I was. And there's a few of those in here. I'm always a fan first, and I would significantly prefer being wrong and have it benefit the Detroit Tigers than be right and have it not. I'm not that prideful of a person. So I was very glad that I was wrong about Hasi, and he made some adjustments, and it really paid off. Um, last season, last off season. I made it a point to say, like, I love Eric Haas. I think he should be on the team next year. But, like, maybe we pump the brakes a little bit on expectations because he had a really low on base percentage. 
and not a very high walk rate. And that spelled like a little bit of like regression was going to come a little bit. Not that he was going to be terrible, but I expected a little bit of regression. And this season he had a higher OPS than he had last year. So hats off to Eric Haas. And, and even at one point this season, I literally remember saying, and I think it was May, late May, I remember saying that Eric Haas might not be around too much longer. I thought he was going to get demoted because, remember, he got off to a treacherous start. His first two months were brutal. And then he made an adjustment and turned it around and lit the world on fire like Eric Haas does, and he's the man. And, and it was awesome to see. So uh, definitely was was super happy to be wrong about that one. Like, like about the same OPS, but technically like a few points higher. So uh, yeah, all credit where credit is due. Definitely a big season for Eric Haas. And I think he, if you can do it one season, it's a cool story. But if you do it two seasons, then people start actually penciling you in as like, okay, future of this team, Eric Haas should be in the catcher room. And while his age, we need to really hone in on what the window is for when this team is going to be competitive again, uh, because he, he, he's certainly... He was a rookie at a relatively older age, relatively speaking to how old rookies normally are. So that's something that is a, a conversation for, but immediate future next season, two seasons. I think it's pretty safe to say that, that most people include Eric Haas in those plans. And there are honestly a, a healthy majority, uh, not a majority, but a healthy amount rather of people that I see that listen to this show and, and, or are just online and are down for Eric Haas to just be the catcher next season. And that's because he was the best hitter on the team this season. Pretty, he was the only person that was relatively even remotely close to qualifying for everyday status or was qualified for everyday player status that had an OPS of over a hundred like the only above league average hitter we had. So deserves all the credit in the world. Uh, definitely was was very happy and pleased to be wrong about that one. Uh, let's get into some more pitchers, and then we'll end on my favorite one that I was wrong about. We'll do that right after this. All right. Welcome back here. Segment third. Third? Segment third. Third and final segment of Locked On Tigers. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Uh, for your second listen, check on the Locked On Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights. Only Locked On can provide the Locked On Sports Today podcast, available on this app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Okay, so the next one I want to go over is Jason Foley, another bullpen piece that we were really bullish on, uh, really impressed a lot of people and he's a dude that for as much as we talked about on yesterday's show on how like Gregory Soto's strengths and weaknesses and how he kind of has this weird like makeup because he throws the ball so hard but it's a sinker but also he gives up hard contact and whatnot Jason Foley is a sinker ball reliever and he was phenomenal this season. I don't think anybody expected Jason Foley to be as effective as he was out of the bullpen. And that was something that we caught on to really early on. He got demoted early in the season. And when he came, not for very long, but when he came back, 
he was completely different than the first couple of weeks that he was on the team. When we, we were kind of like, this is not the Jason Foley we were because he was decent at the end of last season too. It was like, this is not the Jason Foley we really remember. Um, and he got demoted. He came back up, whatever, a few games, a week, two weeks later. It wasn't very long, and uh, and and looked reinvented and looked great. And the sinker went way more downhill. Uh, and kind of like a bowling ball that pitches. It, it's really, really a, a very effective pitch. And so that was that was a good one. That was like a good thing that we were right about and really helped the team and just like an all-around positive situation. Jason Foley, I, I, I really like Jason Foley a lot. And I think that going forward, he will be an effective middle reliever. I, I think that he could be a guy that you go to first out of the pen right? Like the, the first call you make is Jason Foley. Maybe you don't want him pitching those, or, or you, you would hope that your bullpen would have better and more like swing and miss lockdown late inning guys, like eighth and ninth inning guys. But you know, your starter gets knocked out of the fifth or sixth inning. Jason Foley's the first call to either finish that inning or pitch the first inning afterwards. I think that's a phenomenal role for him. And I am really excited about how they plan on utilizing him in 2023 because i was very very impressed with jason foley this year great dude uh the other one that ended up being a big success story and that we kind of caught wind on early was bo brisky that was that was a fun one and uh not again not that he was like rookie of the year or anything like that but back in the spring if you remember, just like close your eyes and just remember, unless you're driving, and, and just remember when Bo Brisky appeared in a few spring training games and how hype everybody got. And because he, he his changeup looked really solid, he got some swings and misses on it. And I think he got, I think he got lit up once, but then he like recovered nicely or whatever. Anyway, so spring training, like, people were hype about him. Like articles were being written about Bo Brisky and whatnot. And, and Bo Brisky was a guest on this show. And so I'm like kind of cheating. Cause I got like a inside look at uh, like before a lot of people did, but he was a guest on this show in fall of last year, like a, like a year ago. And he won Tigers minor league pitcher of the year last season. And that got really overlooked by Riley Green, who won Tigers Minor League Player of the Year. But Bo Brisky won Tigers Minor League Pitcher of the Year, and, like, nobody talked about it, and nobody cared just because, like, Riley Green won an award, and that's all anybody wanted to talk about. And he really showed up this season and lit up spring training, like I said. Only had a few appearances. I remember him getting removed from the spring training roster earlier than people wanted him as well. And then... Casey Mize got hurt and he was the first call. Like he got early on, like really early on, like April or May was his debut. Like did not spend a lot of time, not on the major league roster, even though he, he didn't even make it through the end of spring training. Um, because again, I think they really liked what they saw out of him there. And uh, he had an ERA like around four this year, I think four Oh five. So he got, not like he was, he lit the world on fire and was, and was a rookie of the year candidate or anything, but certainly was, I would say, a success story. I would say Bo Brisky was was something that was a success story and that uh, I think a lot of people are a lot more excited about Bo Brisky in 2023 than 
we're excited about Bob Risky going into 2022. And that to me is positive movement. That that's positive correlation. If you're making a graph, right. It's heading in the right direction. So that, that was definitely one to, to kind of highlight too, just because that, that wasn't one that a lot of people were talking about, but um, because I got to talk to him last fall, kind of like knew about him before a, a lot of other people did. Um, I think the only other one, oh, two more. Okay, wrong about both of them. Uh, and vi- like too glad I'm wrong about both of them. Alex Fiedo. If you would have asked me in April, Alex Fiedo's future on this team, I would have told you he's probably going to be a reliever. And hopefully he's a good one, but he'll probably be a reliever. And ended up recording quite a few quality innings as a starting pitcher for this team. And I thought it was just like a two pitch mix. And he really started trying to develop the third pitch that change up. Uh, but the slider is so lethal. He's got such a good slider and when tunneled correctly and, and located correctly and, and sequenced correctly, it's, it's a, it's a phenomenal pitch. And so I think that he really proved that there is still a chance that he can become a starter or at least pitch and log innings. Maybe he's the new Tyler Alexander, like the new, like he's in the bullpen to start the year, but if you need spot starts, it's Alex Fiedo. Maybe that's the new role for him. I don't know what the future holds for him, but he definitely still kept his hat in the ring of like, hey, don't forget about me when you talk about the starting pitching conversation because uh, what a roller coaster of a career. What a, a ton he's had to overcome. Another injury this season is obviously really – disappointing for him i'm sure but it sounds like he, he everything's going well uh the last medical update we got and uh, i could not have been happier and just like more proud of of what he ended up doing uh that was he had a couple of like outside of Tarek skubal like some of the highest whiff performances by a starter in the entire season this year were by alex fiedo just a couple of of incredible performances and uh, really, I think, flashed that potential that we've been waiting so long to see at the major league level from him. So really, uh, uh, again, disappointing that he got injured and a disappointing end to the year, but still well worth it in my eyes just because of the, the I don't know, kind of like a re-energizing of like excitement that was kind of lost on Fido. I think some people are, are, I don't think it'll ever get as high as it was, you know, like the first couple of years or whatever, but uh, I think people are starting to to reopen their eyes and, and understand that Fido could still be a, a, a really effective pitcher for this team going forward. And I think a lot of people kind of forgot about him. So very happy to be wrong about that one. And then the big one, the last one that won the show on, uh, could not have been happier about being wrong about Alavila. Uh, I had... A few public quotes. Uh, one, I talked with Chris Castellani on his old show. And then I said it a few times on here as well and was a guest on a few other shows and uh, and made my opinion was next year was like the witching hour year for Alavita. Like I, I thought that 2023 was going to be the first, like, hey, you got to start winning or you're gone season. And I that one is one that I will forever be happy that I was wrong about. And I, I'm not trying to dance on graves or anything, but, uh, I mean, we're all glad. 
we're, we're all glad that that era is behind us. We're all pumped about Scott Harris in the future. Pumped for this week. Pumped for this offseason. Very excited. Uh, but I, I didn't think that we'd be here. Truly. Uh, I thought that he was going to get the benefit of the doubt with just, oh, like, look at all these injuries and, oh, these signings, like, didn't end up playing because of, like, some off-the-field stuff, too, with, with um, Meadows and or Erod and just, like, everything that could have possibly have gone wrong this season did. And, like, that's true. Uh, but at the same time, both can be true. <laughs> Avila deserved to, to move on as well as everything that could have gone wrong did. Th- those can both be true sentiments, and, and they were both true. And that is what happened this season. And I, I could not have been happier to be wrong about something ever in my life. The happiest I've ever been to be wrong, truly, uh, about that one. So Scott Harris is here. That is what the rest of the week will take us. Like I said, I just want to do one more thing where we kind of take a deep look at the 2022 season because I think we're we're starting to put that behind us. I think we're about done. Uh, I got to look and go through the entire 40-man and see if we have any more players to do deep dives on for the immediate future. But I think we're pretty much done with all of those. So we're done talking about individual players' performances from the 2022 season. We're done doing like season recaps and whatnot. Uh, I think it's it's time we talk about what we are right about, talk about what we were wrong about, and, and truly start looking at the future. Because this week is, is when it's going to start. Today, as you're listening to this, on Tuesday, uh, that is when the deadline is for Tigers to protect players in the Rule 5 draft. Uh, so that will be a fun development and we will see who gets removed from the 40 man to add said players. We've talked about them the last couple of days. So uh, if, if you're wondering about that, you can go listen to those. And yeah, I think that's it. Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I think that's all I got. Thanks for going on this journey of this episode with me. Um, if this wasn't good radio, I apologize. But I, I just I, I think that it's I think it's it's important. And like I said, for the baseball part of it, for sure, that's probably at the forefront of why I think it's important. But I also think it's important that just as a society we're more okay with like failing and being wrong about things um i don't know Uh, everybody's trying to be too perfect and pressuring people into being perfect and um i don't agree with that philosophy on life nonetheless baseball so uh, like weirdly deep at the end i'm sorry let's stick to baseball the baseball side of things i think that's an important conversation to have too (laughs) all right peace and love going to therapy's dope i'll catch you all tomorrow baby go tigers